Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Right from the jump, Jim, we're joined by Western New York's finest, Chris Manhurts. Chris, how in the hell are you? I am great. How are you guys doing? Doing good here at Hamburg Brewery. We're uh, drinking a couple Louis IPAs, some Hoptimoniums, and you've got a Gatorade. <laughs> That's what happens when, you know, you sign a contract with the Jaguars. You can't be throwing back beers with us bums, right? I was really hoping Chris was going to pull up, like, a bottle or something. Some just cab or something? Something. Just to show me. I thought I taught you well at Tempo how to drink wine. I know. I know. <laughs> Good times, though. <laughs> hey, so, Chris, I, you know, I just want to say congrats, and obviously we're going to tell people this story, how this all came about. But, you know, the reason you get into scouting sometimes, you don't understand it. And when something like you comes along and this happens, this is what scouting's all about. And yet, obviously, it didn't work out with the Buffalo Bills, and we'll talk about that. And, but to, for people to understand, you never played high school football. And, you know, I'm sitting, I'm sitting there. I get a phone call from my friend who was an assistant coach at Ryder University for basketball. His name was Mike Wodkowski. Um, We grew up together in Palmyra, Pennsylvania. Anyway, Mike sends me a text, and he, here's his scouting report on you oh, as a basketball player. He said, bull in a china shop, right? That's how he described you as a player. But he said you were so tough, so driven, you know, you were just a force to be reckoned with. And he said, I don't know if he wants to play football, but he had that mentality. So, okay, I knew Mike. I was like, all right, you know, I kind of checked in on 
trying to pull you up on the internet. I was like, okay, he seems like, you know, seems he has got that build for a tight end. Then Russ Brandon got a call from your head coach saying that you might have been maybe interested in just seeing if it was, you know, if there was a chance. Right. So Russ came into my office and got the call from Coach Barron, and I had just got the call from my friend, and we were like, shit, that's two people now. Let's get let's get it done. So we call you up, and this is why I give you so much credit, but we bring you into the facility. I'll never forget this. Just to give you a quick, hey, let's run a 40 with Chris. And I know basketball players, you've never run a 40 in your life. Nothing. Like you didn't, I mean, the stance, you didn't even know how to get down. That's how I remember. <laughs> and we didn't care because we're like, hey, he doesn't know. Right. You know, hey, you run the 40, we put you th- through some drills, and we just say basically to Chris, hey, keep working. We saw some good things, and we knew he had obviously he has ability. We said, hey, let's just give it some time, work on some things. And then the long story short part of this is Chris is so driven that he does. He works out, trains, trains, trains. So we go to Williamsville. It's an indoor facility, and I don't remember the name of it. Do you remember, Chris? Forget the name. I forget, too, and I wanted to look. I, I couldn't remember. Forget it, the name. It was small. I mean, yeah. we barely, we didn't have a lot of room. <laughs> and we just wanted to see you run routes, catch the ball a little bit, and you did fine. You did everything. We're just like, hey, he's driven. Like, he wants this. So, you know, we signed him in the off season. you know. So Chris isn't really making much money or anything. And he has to still earn his spot on the roster. So 2014. This is 14, 15, 15, I believe. 15. I think it is the 15 year. I think when you came the preseason with us in the NFL preseason, I think it was 15. Right. Yeah, it was 15. Oh, maybe. Okay. I think you guys worked me out. And you guys worked me out in 14. Agreed. And then after that season, December, I signed. Exactly. And and this is where scouting is really interesting and why other teams scout everybody's rosters. But, you know, long, Chris had a bunch of, you know, you never were healthy with us and, and didn't really have a fair shot to really show. We had a new coaching staff. We had just gotten Rex in. Um, and they, you know, they just weren't w- willing to give you time to develop, I don't think. That's personally, I know that for a fact. So that was a hard one because we really, Chris, I tell everybody, the first time you were, you know, you blocked somebody was Mario Williams. And yeah. I'll never forget, you come off the ball locked on and kind of drove him a little bit. And we all looked at each other like, who is this guy? Like, <laughs> he doesn't even, he's never played football. He just blocked Mario. And most guys would just get, most guys just get jerked down the ground, you know, because you don't know right. the technique yet. You know how it is now. Right. Anyway, that didn't happen. So we're like, hey, there's something natural here with Chris. Well, long it didn't work out. We had to cut him for last cuts. Terry Fontenot, who was the director of pro scouting for the Saints, is now the GM in Atlanta, was part of the Saints scouting staff that saw you in the preseason, like what they saw, bring you in. And this is where you're going to have to pick up the story a little bit, Chris. Like, once you were in New Orleans, this is what I want to hear about, because I used to work there, and they're great guys, the GM, Coach Payton, Terry Fontenot, all those guys. Were they – did you feel like – you could make it there. Like when you were with the saints, were you like, Oh, I can learn from these guys. Like they want to work with me. A hundred percent. It's awesome. Um, to the point where after that workout, when I worked out with the saints in the yep. middle of uh, their training camp, uh, coach Peyton told me straight up, you know, um, we're probably going to sign you to the practice squad. Um, we're not going to play you during the preseason. Yep. So he told me that off jump, like right after the workout, you know, after what he saw. So I was like, well, I kind of packed my bags thinking I was coming back to Buffalo. <laughs> right. 
I didn't come back to Buffalo until a couple weeks until like an off day or something to move out my M1 department. So it was this, it happened so quick. <laughs> it happened so quick. And I was like, wow, damn. <laughs> so for know? people who don't know too, I mean, Chris played college basketball here at Canisius. Got your numbers right here, Chris. You finished your career fourth in school history, 789 rebounds, led the team in rebounding three straight years. And I, you know, you think of that basketball to football transition and you think, you know, athletic, not really wanting to get physical, not wanting to get down and dirty, finesse. Are they going to want to block? And in your story, like, you want to get in there and mess some people up, right? Like, that, you're, you're that other end of the spectrum, which is just awesome to see. Right. I was initially initially thinking the opposite of what you just said. I'm like, all right, I'm a basketball player. I'm about to be Jimmy Graham or something. I'm going to be running up the teams. I'm going to be catching deep balls. I'm going to be doing the whole nine. And then, you know, you get there and you're like, okay, this is not necessarily how it works, especially if you're not number one or number two guy. You're all the way on, on the bottom of that depth chart. So for me, it was more so, okay, what do I need to do to see the field? Like, I have to do something to at least see the field, whether it be special teams or whether it be blocking. That's That was my mentality at that point. So once a door kind of opened up in, in terms of me taking pride in my ability to block, I'm like, okay, I'm willing to do something that other guys aren't willing to do. So I might as well embrace this and just, you know, see how far it goes. You know what's fascinating, though? It's like, you know, playing football myself at a young age, like third. I got in third grade, you know, you get into peewee football, and there's always that moment where you realize that this is for me or not, right? You're in the hitting drills, you're doing the Oklahoma drill, bull in the ring, all this stuff. It kind of, weed, you know, it's a war of attrition. It weeds out the week, and it's hard in high school for somebody to just say, oh, I'm going to play football, and they, they get out there, they do a couple hitting drills, and their ass is going home, and they ain't coming back. But how do you just pick this sport up at – in the NFL, with the toughest people on the planet. Against Mario Williams, Cam Jordan. Like, you, you go to teams that have these. You're blocking the best defensive ends in the NFL. I mean, I agree with Tyler, Chris. Like, you just felt like, hey, I think I – did you just feel like, hey, I know I can be a productive blocker. Like, I know I can do that and just try to really fine-tune that part of your game? Yes. Um, and once I kind of just kept doing it over and over again and being like – at that time, semi-successful in terms of just, you know, holding my ground, if you will. Right. Right. Once I once I saw that, I'm like, okay, you develop a little bit more confidence, and then, you know, you, you kind of tell yourself like, okay, I could really, you know, go toe to toe to toe with some of these guys, and then, you know, that you know how that goes, it just grows into more confidence, and then you yeah. just, you know, you just keep going. This is what I don't think people really understand, and I want to hear this from Chris, but to me. Wasn't it like learning a foreign language when you had to learn? And I know we talked about this before, but the, the terminology in football is insane if you haven't been around it. And, you know, I I can't imagine how much time you must have spent studying playbooks. And for, like, and I know how Coach Payton is. With, it's in and out, and you're dealing with high-level high level offensive football. How much time did you have to spend in the playbook? A whole lot more time than I ever spent on anything in school. Like it, it was equally as challenging because I had to kind of learn how to study a playbook, learn how to study the game of football. And those things I weren't really, you know, privy to at the time. So, I mean, I, I give a lot of credit to some mentors earlier along my career, like 
sharing the same room with Ben Watson at the time and just watching him and just sitting back and, you know, the amount of time he spent just studying film, how to study film. I didn't know how to do any of that. No. You know, um, I, I thought it was just watching tape, you know, <laughs> until you just, you know, get a gist of studying tendencies, studying guys, footwork, every little detail. And um, once I figured out a system for myself in order to retain information and study the game, um, it just started clicking. When did you realize that this could be your life? your career? I mean, because I'd imagine at first it's like, why not? Let's just give this a shot. Like, when did you really know, all right, I'm on to something. I do something that other tight ends aren't willing to do. Um, I think it was when I made my first 53-man roster uh, that, that year after. Um, and, and that was a pretty kind of emotional moment for me, just, just sitting back and thinking like, man, I started, you know, at one place a year and a half ago and now I'm here. Um, so it was it was one of those things where it just it just started to just come full circle for me, and uh, you know I just ran with it. You know I I just figured out a way. I'm like okay at this point, I kind of reset the bar for myself. The first year was practice squad, and then after that I made the 53 band roster. So at the time when that happened, I just kind of that's that's my standard, you know. So I didn't want to go back to, um, you know, regress and go back to the practice squad. So I just figured out a way to to make it work. How did you, and this, you know, in Buffalo, like we were talking about, you, you, you kept having like little injuries that were, when I say little, they weren't really little because they were preventing you from really doing, you know, doing what you wanted to do with your, I think it was with your foot and yeah. some other things. Did that get better the more you played? Like, did you learn more how to take care of, or like, was it anything you could do to take care of yourself or did you stay pretty injury free after Buffalo? Yeah, I did. Honestly, I really did. A um, couple years, for a few years until I broke my foot maybe three years ago, but it wasn't um, anything that made me or allowed me to miss any time. But yeah, I, I think that was one of the more, I guess, humbling moments in knowing that, okay, there's some injuries and some things you just can't control. Can't do it, yeah. But what, can't, what you can control is, you know, what you put in your body, how you take care of your body, you know, um, getting soft tissue treatment, doing the whole nine. And Again, like I credit credit that to 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 the mentors that I had, and, and just seeing that I'm like, somebody like Ben Watson, you're like, okay, how were you able to play this long? Like, what did you exactly? So uh, he kind of you know showed me the blueprint in a way. It it is incredible with Ben Watson. I mean, how many players to say he helped them in their career? At some point, he I mean, I, he helped me. I read his dad playbook. Book. Did you read that, Jim? Talking about this book. There it is. You got it right there. The new dad's playbook. <laughs> it, it's the perfect book to read in like a week for that crash course on how to be a dad. Like Ben Watson. Seriously. You know. Did you, you read it then, Chris? Are you a yeah. dad? No, I'll be a dad in July. So I, I kind of oh, read congrats. it. Congrats. Yeah. Congratulations. That's awesome, Appreciate man. It. Yep. Got a baby boy on the way. God. So what's life like for you right now? I mean, you signed this contract with a team on the absolute rise. I mean, the Jaguars have got to be one of the most fascinating teams in the league. You're going to be a dad. I mean, do you just kind of feel like you're on cloud nine? Yeah, I feel like everything is just, you know, happening when it's supposed to. I can't even – I had to take a moment and just realize how blessed I am, you know, in order to be in just this space, this position in life, you know. Yeah. After a pandemic and the whole nine, I'm like, man. Chris, did when you visited with Jacksonville, I'm curious to know because Urban Meyer, you know, he's known for obviously the receiving tight ends, 
what what did they talk to you about like for your vision and your role? Uh, Coach Peyton always talked about having a vision for a player with the Saints when I worked there, and and I know he had a vision for you. Carolina did. Jacksonville, do they have a clear vision for you? Yeah, I mean, Coach Urban Meyer told me, um, you know, one of the first things that he told me when I met him the other day is that he doesn't believe in the term blocking tight end. Love it. Um, so he, he doesn't like or, or believe in boxing yourself in and, and limiting yourself to being capable of doing that little part. Um, and, you know, as a tight end, I would love I love to hear that because now you could – I at least feel like I, I could get a, a legitimate opportunity to, to do other things that I've never done before. What, what 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 is Urban Meyer like? You know, your first impression. What, what's where's his head at taking over this Jaguars team? And this is a challenge that I mean, I don't know. A lot of people think uh, these college coaches can't make can't make this transition. Um, what what kind of vibe do you get in Jacksonville so far? I have a feeling that you know, just meeting him after that first time and speaking to people around the building um, and what they said about him. Um, I guess it has taken effect already that he's kind of resetting the culture there because it's, it's kind of a fresh start for everybody. So having somebody like him come in with the success that he's had, and obviously there's a stigma associated with, you know, college coaches playing on or, or coaching on the uh, NFL level. But, you know, the impression I got from him, man, is that he's he's literally everything is structure, everything is you know, sports science, taking care of your body. He's giving players every single resource uh, for them to be successful. So I think that 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 kind of set the tone and the culture for, you know, everybody coming in and the new or, new people in the organization as well. Because you've been around for a few of these, you know, transitions, right? I mean, you've been in the, the NFL now for eight years, I want to say. Mm-hmm. You see new coaches come in. You've heard the term culture and foundation and I mean what what does it really look like or I, I guess it's pretty early on there in Jacksonville but you know day to day when when he's trying to like do this and, and make it work in the NFL what kind of stuff is, is he really doing this early on um I couldn't even tell you I mean I, I only met I only met Urban maybe had a 30 minute conversation uh with him but I guess the vibe that I got from him, it just gave off a very – it's very exciting just to know the plans he has not only for me and the offense and the people that he's bringing in. So you could judge it based on that, and and you could tell where things are are headed at least. You know, Chris, it's going to be funny for you because you've been around Drew Brees. You've been around Cam Newton. We're talking about, you know, you've been around – obviously both their styles of quarterbacking is different, but they're both champions. They're both – highest level the commitment to the team and what it takes to be a great quarterback you're about to see that with Trevor Lawrence I mean we all know it's going to happen but it's going to be really interesting for you to pay attention to see how Trevor's studying every day and working every day because you've been around the best and you're going to be it's funny you're going to be able to help him out at some point if you're like hey man you need to look I know what it takes and I don't I was around Breeze when I worked for the Saints. I wasn't around Cam Newton, but everything I heard about Cam Newton was he did take football seriously as far as studying the game, his passion, his work ethic, his toughness. And Trevor Lawrence, like, it's going to be really cool for you to now almost be in a leadership role where, hey, Trevor, like, don't worry about it. You, you know, you're going to have bad days, good days. But that can't, you can't waver from your work ethic and first guy in the building, last guy out. 
And what was it? I mean, did do you ever sit back and just smile, think you would play with Breeze and Cam Newton? Like, yeah, I was I was thinking about that the other day uh, when I was reflecting a little bit, and I'm like, man, I really came across a lot of like studs, just like you said, <laughs> Drew Breeze, Cam Newton. And Drew Brees, both of them, for that matter, you know quarterbacks. They're the hardest working people in the building. Or at least they should be the hardest working people. There it is, the great the ones, the great ones. Right. Yep. Um, and you hear that, but when you see it up close and in person, you're like, damn, these guys don't go home. <laughs> you know, I, I remember uh, going to New Orleans and, you know, coming in and Drew Brees is in there at 530. I'm like, well, I'm just getting in at 530 to get treatment. How long was he really here? <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, so the attention to detail for them is just and he used you know, to yeah he can run meetings like Breeze could run meetings I mean that was you know that was something I seen before when I worked there I don't know if he still was when you were there but he obviously he holds every player on that offense accountable and that's exactly what you what you need in a leader you know sometimes especially as a young guy you may not want that or you you might have something to say about that but those are the type of, uh, I guess, people that really you take a look at and see, okay, this is why they were so successful in what they were doing. You know, so I, I guess yeah. there's a reason in behind, behind everything when it comes to that. And, Chris, just back to you, like, not, not playing football growing up as a kid and, and latching on as a you know, grown-ass man in the NFL. Like, where, where did that temperament come from then for you to be – that nasty guy in the trenches willing to take on Mario Williams, willing to take on D-Lyman. I mean, we're in your past, like what, what were you able to kind of tap into to become this mean SOB in the trenches when he didn't even play growing up? I think it just started with me just um, trying to, you know, pr- not only prove myself right and, and the people that believed in me like Jim or, you know, other guys that legitimately tried to give me a chance. But for me, it was just like, I just have to see the field. And then once once I saw the field, I'm like, I have to stay here. And it might sound pretty simple, but that has always been my mentality. Well, Chris, we talk on this show a lot of times about scouting and pro days are going on right now, and all these guys are doing all their track stuff. And The only thing I really care about, and I learned this – the older I got scouting is what's in that guy's heart and how tough are they? Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I think getting to know you, you know, when we were trying to get this done in Buffalo, I just was like, I, I just, this, you, you had this like unwavering, you weren't scared to try. You weren't afraid to try. You never said, well, I don't know if I can learn that. Or I don't know if I, that never came out of your mouth. It was simply, yeah, let me try. What do I have to do? I just want to try. I want to try. And I just feel like not enough young guys understand that if you have toughness and that, that desire and that work ethic that we were talking about, it can overtake some natural talent sometimes in a sport that, you know, like you were getting to learn to play. Right. You know, I remember, uh, remember that, that first injury I had or second injury I had in training camp that put me out, my rib injury, and I was on the sideline watching uh, the preseason game. And I, that was my legit, legit first time being on the sideline watching, watching the whole collision, like, live. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I remember that doubt coming in my mind when, you know, physical collisions almost usually happen on the sideline a lot of times. Right. Um, and I'm looking at that. I'm like, man, I'm, all right, this is what I'm signing up for. <laughs> Ain't no turning back now, you know? So I, I think part of that is just me 
like I said, just, you know, starting something and, and doing whatever I need to do to finish. I think it was a, what, a, a career high six catches last year. So are there times when you're like, man, give me the ball. Like, just throw, like, throw me a bone once in a while. Like, I mean, I'm no. in here, you're kicking ass. Come on, let's go. Oh, of course. Of course. But that, obviously, that's, that's never up to me. Um, that's up to the play caller and, the play in and of itself and how I'm utilized. So for me, again, it was, all right, it was like, okay, this is what it is. All right, let me make the most of this. Or, you know, if they want me to to, to go out there and be primarily a blocker or a pass blocker, let me just try to be the best at it. Let me let me try to do it better than everybody in that tight end room. Where do you get joy in it? Like, is there a memorable uh, hit, pancake block that you uh, treasure to, to this day? Like, what, what, what really – scratches that competitive itch game to game. Uh, you know, I I think it's I think it's uh humbling and at the same time it, it allows you to feel good when the guys you you block all game come up to you after the game and you know say you did a good job or or hell of a job or whatever like things like that. That that respect amongst my peers and my opponents like that that means a lot to me. Christian McCaffrey, I mean, you, you've definitely blocked for some great backs that have put up some big-time numbers. I, mean, I guess that's what you're getting out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Chris, you're, you were trained not to complain about not getting the ball because you probably wanted the ball more when you were playing at Canisius, and they just wanted you to – see? I know, you, and you had to keep your mouth shut and go rebound, block shots, get your four fouls, don't foul out. I was telling Coach Barron, uh, I was speaking to Coach Barron uh, the other day, and uh, we brought that up, and it was almost like a recurring theme. It's just in another sport. And if you embrace that role that you have, you know, don't be surprised with what doors it might open. You know, so it's kind of synonymous with the football and, and, and the role that I had in embracing that role. And, you know, it, it kind of proved to, to me and showed me that, you know, you just do your job and do it very well you know, it'll open up more options for you, you know, more than you ever know. Like a contract with Jacksonville. I mean, what, did you splurge yet? Did you get anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> where's your uh, Where's your wife from? Uh, my wife is from uh, originally from Seattle. Um, Seattle? Yeah. My wife is from Seattle, uh, born in Seattle, raised in Virginia, and her dad is um Hall of Famer, uh, Kenny Easley, so I'm like the second best football player in in the family. Hey, <laughs> didn't even know that. Holy hey, cow! <laughs> you're talking about. I've I've been around a lot of old timers. Florida State. Kenny Easley, <laughs> you won't find anybody say anything but one of the nastiest safeties ever to play. That's what I heard. That's crazy, man. You guys better have about three or four kids. <laughs> they got a shot. They got a I shot. Think, <laughs> I think my baby got a jersey on in, inside there. <laughs> Do you have, like, a game plan, like, for training camp? Like, when this goes down, I mean, that's right when your life is going to be chaotic, right? Like, Oh, man. I didn't even I didn't even start thinking about that yet. But I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no. It's, it's – life ain't stopping, you know? Chris, how how like how frustrating or difficult was this year with the COVID? Was was it a was it pretty much business as usual for you guys? Did you just kind of get into the routine of it, or were you like were you guys pretty much miserable? Like, 
Um, the biggest thing to get used to was just the, the new protocols that was yeah. in place and, and masking and the social distance, distancing and yeah. everything like that. But, um, you know, once once we got maybe a week or two just, just doing it, testing every day, it was just clockwork. At that part point. of it. Part of yeah. it. Man. So what's um... – are you are you living in Jacksonville right now? Or are you back home? Like how? No, I'm. I live in Charlotte. I have a home in Charlotte. I'm Charlotte's home, but um, eventually I'm gonna probably next week head down to Jacksonville. That's what people don't understand, Chris. Like, you know, they see. You know, I told Tyler about this, but you you guys sign these contracts, but your life gets flipped upside down. I mean, you're dealing with you know, family and housing and kids and it's a lot it's a lot to take in it's a lot in a short period of time yeah. short period of time because in about i'm guessing you guys are going to start up otas here in about a month month and a half yeah and nobody's going to care about where you're living how your as wife's going you're there that's you know, it that's it as long as you're there as long as you're there at least uh I guess, given the circumstances, at least I have a couple of weeks to figure figure out that stuff as True far as point. living and getting situated out there. But you know, it happened to me halfway through the season uh, when I, the Saints cut me and I got claimed off waivers in uh, in Carolina. You know, it was turnaround was ridiculous. Oh. So you know, it was just one of those things. And any advice out there, Chris? I mean, like how you kind of pulled off something that you just don't see in football. You don't see. Don't them. see. You don't see guys just get an opportunity in the NFL, take advantage of it if they're not playing, stick. Um, you know, if you were to give advice to anybody out there that has that crazy thought in the back of their head that it could be a possibility to do what you did, uh, what would you say? I think it's, uh, one, believe in yourself, and, and two, surround yourself with as many good people or good managers or well-connected people as you can, um, because that, 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 that'll take you a long way. Um, those, those are my two biggest, biggest takeaways in this whole journey, because I've had a lot of people that, uh, believed in me like Jim or, or other coaches that just gave me a shot. Um, and it, for me, it was like, I, I have to, I have to make, to make them feel good about, you know, their decision and giving me this shot. So that was, that was motivation for me. Best chicken wings in Buffalo. Where'd oh. you go? Oh, I like that. You say Coles? Coles, that's non negotiable. It's Coles. I didn't even know they made chicken wings at Coles. Kidding me? And that's I thought it was a brunch spot where you get a Bloody oh, Mary and go try it. Nurse a hangover. Okay. <laughs> and all right, next question. Chris, when we were hanging out that one night at Tempo, it, how annoying was I talking about basketball with you? Or was it good was it good talk? <laughs> Or did I cross the line? That was good talk. Think, it was good talk, right? Remember, think, we were getting into it with hoops. and. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was good talk. I mean, we had the good talk. We had a little bit of booze. Like, it was it was fine. That was okay. That, was that's fine. where I always tell that's where it all started. Like, it was just one of those things. Where it was just to sit there and, and think this is happening right now and look right. back on that night at Tempo, which they do have maybe the best steak. Oh, the best ribeye. The best ribeye I've ever had. But um, now we got to try Cole's wings. Chris put us yeah, on to something. Just give it a shot. Right. Chris, would, right. do you even ever come you, – do you have any reason to come back to the area? Um, I have Not, a brother that lives in Toronto. And, okay. Uh, just if there's a Canisius game or something. Last time I've been there was two years ago. 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard now with your schedule and everything. Yeah. Who's uh, do you have an NBA team? Do you have a favorite player? Like, are you connected to that sport in any way still? I'm not even gonna lie to you. I don't even watch. I don't. I don't really watch basketball as much. Yeah, I really amazing. don't. That's I, amazing. Yeah. Because I mean, there's so yeah. many NFL players who, like, say that they're good at they're good at playing football, no. but they love basketball more. Like, they, the love is with basketball. I mean, I was kind of like that way growing up. I loved playing basketball, even though our football team was a little better. There's something about the game, the creativity. It's just mm-hmm. fun. And then. I don't know, but this look to just be like, all right, well, screw it, you know, go all in with football. It's not even in your the back of your mind. No, I mean, I'll play it from time to time, to time for therapeutic purposes, you know, just, just start shooting around. Like, it's just it's good therapy for me sometimes. But I don't really want – I don't – the the level of interest compared to what it was before is it's, it's low. You know, it's funny because – as a scout, we love comparing football players sometimes to basketball players as far as, like, kind of what their role would be or their mentality. And I think it goes the same way. You hear basketball players and announcers like to compare them sometimes to a football player. The one thing you guys all have in common is every football and basketball player think they could be a rapper. <laughs> and I've never met anybody that does it. For some reason, like, I, I see all these guys try. and it's just, But we always think – Cole Beasley's not bad. Cole Beasley is secret, right? Like it's not bad. But Chris, when you think of when you who would you compare Cam Newton to as a basketball player? I was gonna here's one I'll oh. give you. Here's one I'm gonna give you. Just so you take a second here. What if I told you like a Russell Westbrook? I was just gonna say that. Really? That's the first person that came to mind. And I see we always had that like, <laughs> see, we had that basketball thing. Yeah. We, for some reason, Chris, they remind me they're similar to me. Like, not even I'm not talking about their pregame when they walk into the right, arenas because right. they have that in common. But they're they're tough and nonstop, like nonstop. They just got that dog in them. Dog. That's what it is. They both have that dog in them. Yeah. Love it. I well, love it. What about you, Chris? What kind of player were you? Oh, Anthony uh, Mason. Oh, I'm I going old Mace. school. I'm going Mace. old school. Anthony Mason. I'll take, I'll take that. You know, I was I was one of those guys you you love to have as a teammate, hate to play against. You know, just defended and, and rebounded. That's a compliment. Yeah, I do mean that as a compliment. He he was that guy was. I mean, Charlotte Hornet legend. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. Right, we got pour one out. For I like that you said Charlotte Hornet. Oh yeah. Most yeah. people would say Knicks, but all right. Right. Chris, that was awesome, man. We, we can't thank you enough for spending a little time with us tonight. Man. Congratulations. Happy for you, Chris, man. This is pretty cool. I'm really excited to watch this year, especially with the – you know, you're going to be – you're going to get a lot of coverage this year when you guys get the quarterback and Urban. Like, it's going to be a fun year for you. We actually cool. play Buffalo this year, too. Oh, where do you play think, at? Up here? Do you know that? Bu- no, I think it's at – Down here? Jackson. I think it's a home, home game for us. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun year, a fun team. I mean, definitely. I don't know if there's a more interesting team than the Jaguars, really. I mean, with everything going on. There. So, we'll definitely stay in yes, touch, exactly. Chris. And, and you said it, you're not a blocking tight end. So, you, you know, 100 targets, uh, <laughs> 10 to 12 touchdowns. They heard it, heard it here first on the Go Along podcast. You, you said it, not me. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Hey, make that roster, man. Just keep making those rosters, right? Absolutely. All right, man. Hey, thanks so much, Chris. Appreciate you coming on, man. No problem. Appreciate you. Good seeing you, Chris. See you. Yeah. All right. All right.